Hello friends, welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church Westlake, all about the messages we hear each and every week. My name is Nathan Story. Hello, how you doing? Good to see you. Joining me this week are Cesar Guerrero, my colleague in the Bible Journey. Hello. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're classmates. We are, we're classmates. We don't, have to, we don't have to live in the same dorm together, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can live with our spouses. I don't yes. know how much our spouses would appreciate moving that would not into be a fun. dorm. That would be very weird. Yeah, shared bathrooms <laughs> for the whole hall. Oh. No. no, thank you. No, Caesar, do you squeeze the toothpaste or do you roll it? Uh, <laughs> I squeeze the toothpaste, okay, there you um, go. but my wife hates that I put my toothpaste on her side of the sink oh, after I'm done with it. yeah, yeah. She came into the bedroom and was like, what is this? His and hers toothpaste? Is that what y'all do? Yeah, we have our own toothpaste. Okay. That's my great. aunt's a couponer, so we have lots of toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> she sends us a box full of them oh, every now yes. and again. So plenty of yes. toothpaste to go around. Okay. Anyways. And the, uh, the the giggling you hear next door is Pastor Aaron Gibson. Hey, Aaron. Hey, guys. I'm super excited. I feel a little, I feel like the new kid at the school table. I'm not in I'm not in the simulator <laughs> yeah. class with y'all, but that's all right. I'm excited. Which, we'll, still, we'll still let you copy our homework. If okay. Yeah. We're, yeah. Those, okay. we're those kind of kids. Definitely, we're definitely the smartest people in the room. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. We're taking one seminary course together. <laughs> I love yeah. it. No, but it is, there's a little bit of a, a kind of camaraderie in, in that in our mm-hmm. uh world right now and also this is our first kind of in-person recording in a long yeah. time so that's that feels right really good. that's right i'm actually looking at you guys like like darth vader says with my own eyes right <laughs> so i feel yeah a little special okay yeah. who had star wars reference uh two minutes in yeah <laughs> you know, 148 we're at 148 the tape yeah you can fill out your westlake uh, podcast bingo card there it is. star wars <laughs> reference less than two minutes in uh, that should be the free one in the middle it <laughs> yeah. happens every time well, That's you true. know, Nathan, you know this uh, because you're a huge Tolkien fan, but the big activity in the Gibson house last night mm-hmm. uh, with my youngest, who is 12, we finished the last chapter of Fellowship of the Ring. So nice. uh, for a while now, I may I may be doing Tolkien references instead of Star Wars hey, references. I'm, I'm down. So we'll, I'm down. we'll nerd out in a different direction together. That's great. Uh, so we are in a series as a church called The Whole Story, where we're, we're reading the the Bible together, front to back, kind of taking on this year in the Bible series, which has been really fun and awesome. And this past week, Aaron spoke about the story of Noah. Let me ask you right off the bat, Aaron, do you get excited? I think I've asked you this before, because especially some of these Genesis stories, if you're a Sunday school kid, if you grew up in church, Mm -hmm. you know, or at least maybe feel like you know a lot about these stories. Um, Is this a kind of story you get excited to preach about, or is this something that you are like, oh, everyone gonna assume they know everything is that part exciting because you get to kind of peel back the onion a little mm, more and good like, question that's a great question yeah and how do you feel is, about preaching about noah the answer is yes yes and yes so <laughs> okay. when we laid out this itinerary for and i saw because uh, you know we've got a couple guests coming uh in fact uh i'll leak it right now but uh dr laniac who is the founder and lead professor of the bible journey um which is our partnership with between lake force and gordon conwell he's gonna be coming to preach uh, not this coming weekend, but the following. Yeah, and he's he's who. That's the course that Caesar and I are. Yeah, so y'all. So know. we'll get to see yeah. our professor we'll in real life. I'm, I'm a little morning. nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, some when we were laying out the schedule, I thought, am I going to get to preach Noah, or is it going to be Mitch or Doctor Lane? And when I saw that I was going to preach Noah, man, I was like a kid in a candy store because um, I love this story for all the reasons you just mentioned. Yes. We think we know what it says, but oh, when we look deeper, it's so much more. Uh, so much more than how's the song go? Who built the ark? 
Noah, Noah. Yeah, so it's way bigger than just building an ark. So yeah, I, I've loved it. Uh, it was really fun prepping for this one. Great. Cool. So how, how do you go about something like that? Is it, do you have... Do you have kind of stuff that you catalog in your... Tell us how your brain works, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because you've preached this one semi-recently, and I feel like you preached on Noah before with our people. Is that correct, or am I imagining things? Yeah, well, you know, I think we touched on it. So as a preacher, you've always got kind of two basic options. And by the way, Jesus does both. You can either just take a passage in and of itself, and you say, all right, we're just going to let this passage lead us where it wants to lead us, Right. Or, hey, we want to talk about the idea of anxiety. And what are the various passages or scriptures that speak to that? And so then you're pulling from all different places. And, and again, there are churches that do one or the other. Not going to surprise our listeners. Like Forrest is kind of a both and. And the reason we're both and is because Jesus was both and. He, he, sometimes he just took something straight out of the, the Old Testament and he ran with it. Other times he's picking and choosing and combining and reworking. It's really cool. So... In this case, I knew we were just going to camp out in the story itself. That's kind of what this whole year is about. So we're going to get a lot of that version of our diet. Okay. So the first, to answer your question, the first thing I do is I sit down on Monday morning and I just read and pray through the passage, noticing and observing everything I can. I, I don't have any other helps. Uh, I really am, and I'll have my journal and I'll jot down, oh, what's, ooh, that's interesting. Ooh, what's that about, you know? Then, um, and this Kate played in a lot with the Noah, then if there are any key words, I'll go and do kind of the background research. And, and you don't have to have a seminary degree to do this. In fact, I think you guys will learn how to do this even in your Bible journey class, you know. Uh, so I knew that the rainbow was a big deal, so I did a little word study on that word. Um, Gesed, we would spell it in English, G-E-S-E-D. And uh, I didn't get to include any of this in the sermon because it was just too much, but it would have been awesome. Gesed is, if you, it, the letter G in Hebrew is related to the, a guttural version, chesed, and the word chesed is God's covenant faithfulness. Wow. So the word for covenant faithfulness and the word for rainbow or warbow hung, is all related, and you're just like, what? Amazing. Well, I didn't get it until I did the word study, right? So. So, so those so kind of we, things. Where do we go to, to, to find that word study? You said we could access that now. Yeah. Is there like a website Absolutely. or something? Absolutely. Like I love this. There's a website called Blue Letter Bible, blueletterbible.org. And you can set it up. I have it on my phone. And you can set it up to be interlinear, is what they will call it. You'll have the English and you can have the Hebrew. And um, you can click it, you can click on it and see, and then you can click on any of the words, and you can see all the different ways that that word is translated. You can see other verses in the Bible where that word occurs. That is cool. And, it, and um, what, what scholars call that is the lexical range of a word. A, every word has a range of meaning, right? Mm -hmm. We know this in English. Right. Uh, I did this this morning. My wife, I was looking, uh, my wife said, hey, can you get those glasses over there? Uh, I had some dirty glasses on my nightside table. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I was looking, and I kept looking for my eyeglasses, because I thought, you know, well, glasses has a lexical range That's in English, funny. right? So, so you, you opened up Blue Litter Media. So I said, opened up Blue what Litter does Ray Robin mean by glasses? Well, it's funny. That's, that's a married thing, right? Where you're like, oh, I just need to get something done. And then she's like, oh, but there's dishes. That's right. That's so right. Here's the mess that you've made, Aaron. And I want to put that in your 
you know, further on in your day. Well, I'm such, I'm so, so I'm so pathetic with that kind of stuff. You know, I, I wake up in the middle of the night thirsty, so I always Same. bring up a glass of ice water to bed. And, and sometimes they're like, where did all the glasses go? We're in the oh, kitchen looking yes. for glasses. Oh, they're all up on Aaron's exactly. nightside table, you know, so. Yep, that's, that's me as well. So yeah, so Nathan, that's something you guys can do, you know, and, and you know, it might, it might even be something fun uh, to, to share with the church, you know, how, what, how, what does that process work like? How do you do a word study? I'd encourage our listeners to Google it. How do I do a Bible word yeah. study? And it's something that everybody can do. It just, it enrichens your, uh, your reading. Yeah, I'm going to have to start doing that because I'm still trying to f- track as best I can with the, the weekly readings devotional. Mm-hmm. And that's been kind of cool. So I read the Noah story beforehand. Um, but that'll be a fun way to add something to that that devotional every now and again, and maybe look up a couple of words. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. It it you know one of the things that I think is so cool in this series, and I hope that our church is getting. I hope our listeners are getting this. You know, I this is confession, and forgive me if if this is something that you as a listener you know have done. I, I'm not knocking it, but there's been a lot of push in recent decades to. Read the whole Bible. Read the Bible in a year. And, and look, that's noble. I really think it is. I'm just not that smart. I, <laughs> when I do, to read the Bible in a year, I've got to read, I forget what it is, like five chapters, six chapters a day or something yeah. like that. Yeah, sure. And when I'm having to read that much every day, I'm not taking it in very mm-hmm. deeply. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I, I, just in my own spiritual journey, I've become convinced that it's not information that leads to transformation. But it's information plus something else. Information mm-hmm. plus reflection. Information yeah. plus prayer. Information mm-hmm. plus application. So when I'm when I'm doing Bible and, and kind of how we've set this up for the church this year, I'm really hopeful that people are taking a story like, well, like what we're doing this weekend. We're gonna be talking about the Tower of Babel, the first ten verses of chapter eleven, and I just want to sit in it. I want to sit in it long enough. Why is this story in the Bible? How does it fit into the whole story? Mm-hmm. What does it say to us? Rather than just blitzkrieg through it so I can get on to chapter 12, yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of the, the tricky thing about being in a, a course or, or even trying to do what you're talking about, just a Bible reading program on your own. It's like, you know, there, we could miss so much by just having to get to the next day of, of uh, the assignment, right? That'd be, it's tough. It's yeah. tough to actually sit. It's, it's tough enough these days when our lives are so busy to actually sit and, and take in one chapter, but much less all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. that's Caesar. So you, you're doing the reading. So you had read these verses of Noah before yeah. the sermon on Sunday. Mm-hmm. What, what was that experience like for you? What did um, you notice in that process? I mean, it was interesting. And, and the way it was sectioned off was that we read the, we read, I guess, part of the Noah story on one day and the other part of the Noah story on the other day. So it was really cool to see all of it come together. Um, and you kind of section that off even in your own sermon. You said you have, there's three parts to this yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was my first lame joke, the PPP plan. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It went over my head. Okay, I still, yeah. I, I listened to it again. I still don't. I all still the small don't business it. owners knew exactly what oh, we were talking that's about. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Paycheck protection P- plan. Yes, sees. that's right. Yeah, I need to be more current with my news. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was, it was really good, and, and something stuck out to me at the beginning, and that really, again, resonated with me in your sermon, um, which was um, the, the first part of your sermon. Just like, this is an interesting situation we find ourselves in um, when it comes to like all the violence and things like that. And, and you, you kind of touched on, on it at the beginning of your sermon that we kind of think of the, the animals, you know, and the ark and the water as yeah. this kind of cute boat in the middle of the ocean. The cute, fluffy part of the story. Right. And, and it really came, came out to me, you know, just the, 
the the darkness, you know, the the dark ver the Russell Crowe version of the. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Let's not story. talk about that. Let's not talk about that version. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah, just yeah, just kind of the the craziness that's going on, and and something that really really stuck out to me was um, this idea of God's judgment, and and you touched on this during the sermon, um, but um, I, I guess when I think of the when I think of God's judgment. I think of God's like anger or mm -hmm. his um, the kind of the mean streak of God or something like that. You know, like yeah. God can get angry. But what I noticed in, in Noah Noah's story is that God is not angry. Um, and, and I think you've mentioned this in your sermon that this is just the second time God is judging something. Mm -hmm. The first time being the garden, mm -hmm. um, and He sends out Adam and Eve. Um, yep, away yep. from the garden, yep. and then there's this so, so that they won't die. Right, exactly. Right? His, he says, this is going to lead to death, and then they do it, and he says, okay, how can I keep them from dying? It's actually a just right. mercy. It is a just mercy, and and the kind of the mirror that Noah brings that really stuck out to me was the fact that um, God is grieved with yeah. this time around. He's, he's really sad, um, yeah. And I think the the word my translation said was grieved. It is, and um, and I, that was a surprise to me again, just how that's where God's judgment in this iteration c came about. And then instead of sending somebody out of the garden, He invites somebody back into the garden. You mentioned that yeah. that the ark is kind of this miniature, this microcosm of the garden. Yeah. All yeah. the animals are there. Everything that Noah and his family needs is in this boat. Yep, and. Um, and so, yeah, but it got me to reflect just on, you know, that idea of God's judgment and uh, how it stems from, from grief. The first time we see God feel something is, is sadness. Yeah. And so I, I, I want to ask, you know, you guys, what, how does that inform your, your view of, of God's judgment? If, it's, if the first time we see it is, is out of sadness, yeah. um, what does that mean? What does that mean for us when we, when we think of um, things like that for us? Yeah, well, so I, in the Bible journey this week, I was listening to a, a particular message about um, things that make the Bible hard to read. One of them being, uh, well, if you read it and you just assume there, well, there's a whole bunch of genocide. Right? There's yeah. A, yeah. And that's just something that people can't quite swallow sometimes when, mm -hmm. they, when they think about um, God being a good God or, or the Bible being a, kind of a just book. But um, Dr. Laniac in that particular message says uh, when we read something like that and we have a hard time with it, it's, it's good to ask ourselves two questions. The first one being, perhaps I don't quite understand um, the culture. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and to put my own spin on that, perhaps I don't understand actually how bad everything actually was. Mm -hmm. So that this act actually is justice mm -hmm. because of the people that were being harmed by the culture at the time because of the evil that was being kind of mm -hmm. uh, perpetuated. And the second question to ask is, maybe I actually don't understand that much about the nature of God. Mm -hmm. Again, saying that perhaps I don't understand, again, how bad things were, and so God yeah. doing this was the best course of action, was, was actually justice. And this is mm -hmm. a super nerdy pop culture reference, but I think it's okay to, to do that kind of thing on the show, as we've mm -hmm. done it before. I just rewatched um, Infinity War, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, you know, the Marvel saga, Infinity War, and Thanos is this kind of ty tyrannical, wants to get rid of, half of the universe because humans have basically, humans and all creatures have kind of just overrun it and made it mm -hmm. a terrible place. And a particular scene that's kind of sticking out in my mind is, is a scene where he has to sacrifice, and spoilers for Infinity <laughs> War, sorry, yeah, yeah. he has yeah. to sacrifice his own adopted daughter. 
and she laughs because she assumes that he is incapable of loving. So in order for him to get the soul stone, and we're going deep, we're going yeah, deep yeah. dive here. Yeah. Sorry. Well, you exactly. you <laughs> in order to get a particular stone, does Wonder Woman save the day? Yes, and then Wonder Woman swoops in, and everything's fine. And Gandalf Calrissian's there, and it's awesome. <laughs> no, so in order to get the soul stone, he has to sacrifice something he loves. Wow. A life for a life. Wow. And so what he does is he... Dude, that's kind of like gospel all over. It's crazy. Holy it's really crazy. In order for that to happen, he has to sacrifice something he loves, i.e. His, his adopted daughter is there. His adopted daughter doesn't understand that. Yeah. She laughs in his face saying, you are incapable of love yeah. because of this thing you are doing. And then he sheds a tear, ends her life, and gets the soul stone. Wow. So in our own, and not saying we should sympathize with a, a, a maniac who's yeah, yeah, <laughs> trying to destroy, and I'm not saying that there's a, a, a perfect metaphor here for God in this instance, but what we do see in that scene in the movie is that Gomorrah, his daughter, does not understand the necessity of the action yeah. in order for justice to take place. I love that because that is, that dilemma that he faces. It's a dilemma, yes, right? Yes. That is what God is, the position he's been put in here yes. by, hu by human beings, by humanity. Yeah. What, what's God to do, yeah. right? The, the, his, his creatures have gotten violent and more violent and more violent. And he says, if we let this go, which interesting, yeah. he says we, right? Oh, yeah. really wild. God. All right, if we let this go, yeah. what's going to happen? What's, yeah. Where's this in the end? Yeah, and I've never had an issue with the, log the logic of it. Right, because it, it, you know, the justice always rung clear to me. I don't know why, maybe it's just the way it was taught. Um, especially a one scholar's view of it saying that the deconstruction that you see, you know, that happens in Genesis 1, the waters are split and dry land is made. But Noah, deconstruction happens, the waters come back, and yeah, there's yeah. no more dry land. Yeah, yeah. That logic kind of always made sense to me. What I thought was interesting is that I, I never. I never attached justice with sorrow yeah. um, by the person who is um, making making the just thing happen. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like it's one thing because you, you, associ you associate anger or something else. Don't well, you? I, um, maybe I associate more um, ju justification in uh, justice, yeah. like yeah, yeah. oh, this needs to happen. Yeah. Kind of, you know, like a decisiveness to it mm -hmm. that is is heady, mm -hmm. logical. Oh, you did something bad. This should this should happen to you. Yeah. Um, but this is a, this is a moment when when God reveals His sorrow and grief. There's this almost kind of element of of uh, of like the, He knows that it has to happen. Yeah. But he, it, it, there's there's a part of Him that is is moved to to grief and and almost in loss. It's not that he wants to wipe everybody out, yeah. it's that he recognizes that when creation is destroyed, it is undoing everything that he did. That's right. And he loses the pinnacle of creation, humanity, in yeah, the yeah. process. Yeah. And then, but to me, so it's like, so that, that grief, and, I, and I'm trying to wrestle with that more now, is more like, am I, am I ever at the point in my life where I, when I, when I w seek justice to also carry grief with it, mm. not just only be justified mm. in my justice or in my, yeah, that person deserves it, so I don't feel anything. Right. Yeah. Um, but God doesn't operate that yeah. way. No, and doesn't. so it's a challenge to me, quite quite starkly, yeah. that if I don't feel sorrow, 
Mm. Um, then I probably don't have God's heart in the justice, mm. even though I mm. am seeking that thing. Yeah. But that was just... Uh, well, well, see, I did... A, oh, go ahead. Thank Listen, you. I'm just thinking an amazing callback again to the garden, thinking about uh, God creating everything and calling it good. And there's this mm. thing my wife and I say to each other all the time, when, especially when we've gone through kind of a big life change or something. Like, we moved out of our first house. We loved our first house. It was small. You know, we were pretty cramped and everything. But we loved it. And we were really sad to actually find kind of our dream home and move. And we're like, why are we sad? We have our, this awesome thing. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. the thing we say to ourselves is sometimes for good things to happen, good things have to end. Mm. And it's always sad when good things end. And if you look back at the garden, every time God created something, he said, that's good. Yeah, he yeah. said, that's good, that's good, that's good. And so of course he's grieved because the good thing that he called into existence is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny. So I, I'm looking at my computer screen right now, Caesar, and I pulled up Blue Letter Bible, what we were talking about earlier, and I looked at that word grieved. I was just curious. I, I remembered I want to double check it. And it's the Hebrew word nacham or nakam, we might say. And it, it most literally means uh, to repent. Mm. So, it, so in this sentence, God was repented. It repented him, or it means it saddened him. So repenting is a turning, right? Mm-hmm. So the picture here, remember Hebrew is a very visual language. Yeah. And so the picture is of here of, uh, to repent, to be repented is to cause to turn into oneself, mm-hmm. to comfort oneself, to mourn. Mm-hmm. And so God was repented by the fact he was saddened by, and he tried to comfort himself in that sadness with the fact that the world was so violent. Yeah. And so you know, I was thinking about this as you were describing the waters. I don't know why I didn't think about this before. Our listeners are probably smarter. They probably already saw this connection. But what does a human being do when, when they grieve? Well, we cry, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder how much that's in the Hebrew imagination here. Yeah. As the rain is falling and the waters are coming, it's, it's almost like God's tears have been released right well that's the that's the other visual that you get in the noah it's not just rain there's water coming from the ground yeah itself. yeah yeah it's, it's, it's this spring. is uh, this is ugly cry yeah this is, yeah <laughs> like it the water works it comes from everywhere yeah. it's just like it's spring from the yeah. from the ground and it also came down because you had in genesis the water above the water below yeah. you know and so the fact that the water comes in from all corners is god ugly crying yeah well, I know to use like kind of a, a New Testament metaphor too. It, you know, baptism is something that comes yeah. to mind too. Like God is literally baptizing the ugly out of the earth. That's right. That's right. Yeah, He's washing away the blood, which is the result of the violence. Remember, Cain's blood is going to cry out yeah. for vengeance. Right. To, some, some somebody has to deal with this problem of violence, yeah. and God said, "Okay, I'm, I'm going to wash it. I'm going yeah. to wipe it away. I'm going to cleanse it." Yeah, all kinds of baptism yeah. stuff. Genesis is so cool. Genesis, we love you. We love you. Okay, one other thing, Caesar, to throw into the mix here. Um, boy, we are deep, deep nerding on this one. Yeah, I love it. So, you know, uh, one of the things that um, I remember learning in my seminary classes in the Old Testament, and you guys will probably encounter some of this from Dr. Laniac in the Bible journey, um, and I'd encourage our listeners to, you know, this is some stuff you can Google, too, and just read about. Really interesting. Most often, at least all the cases that I can think of, of God's justice or God's intervention in the Old Testament, when it comes, it's, it's what theologians would call restorative justice. Mm-hmm. It's not punitive justice. Mm-hmm. He's not spanking them, 
putting him in timeout. Well, he kind of does put Israel in timeout in Babylon, but that's another thing. <laughs> but, but he's doing so to restore. Come to Babylon and don't come yeah, out until right. I tell you to. That's right. <laughs> and clean it while you're in there, right? <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of funny when you think about uh, justice. It's interesting. There's a little line that I didn't touch on, but if you go back, I think it's, a, I should look it up. I think it's right at the end of chapter five. There's a little line. It's like a throwaway line. And it says, it was during this time that people began to call on the name of the Lord. And you're like, what's that doing there, right? Well, think about the next time in the Old Testament when we're going to be told that the people cried out to God. Do you guys know when that is? Exodus. Exodus. Yeah. And it's when people cry out against the violence of the Egyptians that God intervenes. The picture here, I'm, I've got to, uh, this, I might be wrong on this. I'm, I'm reaching here. I haven't done the study on this. I need to go back and look. But the picture here is people in creation are crying out against this violence. And God, God responds because of that. Now that's, in other words, it's not just that God's upset about the violence. He's upset about what the violence does to people that are made in his image. And so his justice is going to come, but it's restorative. He, he's trying to fix the broken problem. Yeah. Well, it's probably not an accident if you said that Cain and Abel, you know, when his blood is shed, it cries out, you know, yep. and then Cain's cursed for that. Well, and then, that's, and then that's the problem, right? So uh, there's, you know, Nathan, you mentioned this, but there's just all kinds of parallels between the, the Garden of Eden and then the garden that Noah makes, right? So in the Garden of Eden, there's, there's everything, and then there's sin, and then there's nakedness, and there's shame, and then there's separation, and then there's vi- I mean, ultimately violence between Cain and Abel, right? So then also with Noah, Noah's in a garden, there's sin, then he's naked, and he, we didn't touch on this, but our readers will remember, remember one of his sons comes into his tent. So we got a son again, just like Cain and Abel, we got a son, and he does something shameful. We don't really know. It's just it's kind of crazy. Uh, the Bible doesn't give us much on that. But there's something. something That's okay. I don't yeah. think I want to know. I don't want to know that either. <laughs> uh, there's something shameful. And then two other brothers um, come in, but they walk into the tent backwards with a blanket, and then they cover their father's body. So now you've got the conflict between brothers again. It's like literally replaying the Cain and Abel story all over again. There's some, there's some parallels there in like temple and tabernacle stuff, like the, you know, going into the Holy of Holies and like not looking and like all that stuff. That's kind of interesting too, thinking about going into that tent and averting your eyes and stuff. That's good. Yeah. Well, so, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to dig on all this and I, I you know, our, I hope our listeners will forgive, forgive our indulgences today. We've been all over the map, but what, what's really cool about Genesis is, we just start to see these major themes of the Bible emerge. So what are some of the ones we touch on? What, we got image of God, um, the creation, creation, and then the sustaining life of God, yep. the garden, you know, like, and then he, he puts them out of the garden. So you have exile. Yeah. Even, yeah. Yeah. And then we've got bap- Nathan introduced yeah. baptism for us in these stories here. We yeah. got baptism coming up. We've got judgment. Yeah. You have the, the crying, you have the crying of mm-hmm. the earth or the crying of blood or things like that. So now all these themes, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, the, what they call in movie making, the establishing shot, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is the giant establishing shot yeah. of the Bible. And mm-hmm. we're going to get all these themes introduced. And now we get to watch these play out mm-hmm. uh, over, over the rest of God's story. It's just, it's just cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one question we should always ask ourselves, uh, we can do a deep dive on kind of the bigger themes in, in this story, but uh, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention or even ask ourselves what, what, what do we do with these themes mm-hmm. on a personal level? What, you know, hearing a sermon on Noah, 
awesome as it is, as much as we love hearing it, what what do we then do about it? And and what especially what do we do if we st- we hear all this and we're mm-hmm. still wrestling with how could God do this? Yeah. Yeah. How, how do we wrestle with that? Aaron, what, I mean, what what would you well, say? I, I love what my twelve year old said to me, um, and and my twelve year olds. I mean, all my kids are honest, but my 12-year-old is like the embodiment of honesty, right? <laughs> so he just, he said, Dad, I never realized that Noah was a sinful person too. Mm. He said, when you, he, he The said, beginner's Bible doesn't tell that story. Uh, no, no, no. Story Noah was a righteous Noah. man. And so my, my son just, uh, of course, he said, well, then I can't learn anything from Noah. I'm not righteous, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. he had Noah in some other category. Yeah. But he said, he said, I never realized, and when your son quotes back your line from your sermon, you're like, cha-ching, payday, okay. right? So he's listening. He's listening. He said, um, he said, I never realized that the virus of sin was still in Noah's heart. And I was like, yes. And, and then he, it, I think he's on to something. Because I, I think the story really is, we can ask that question, how, how would God, why would God? I, I think we kind of just have to defer judgment. We have to see how God continues the story. I, yeah. I'm not sure that the answer is right here. We know that it grieves God that it's broken. Yeah. And we know that God really wants to fix it. Mm-hmm. We know that. Mm-hmm. How's he going to do that? Mm-hmm. That's kind of yeah. interesting. It's, I think it's the Apostle Peter who writes, and he cites the Noah story. And he says, and, he's, and what he's doing is he's, ca- he's calling out God's patience. Mm. He says, God is patient because he wants everyone to have a chance to repent and turn to him. And he cites Noah. Yeah. So I think there's more for us to learn as the yeah. story goes on. But I, I would say for me, it caused me to really do what I invited us as a church. I, it caused me to sit down and reflect on my own heart. Mm-hmm. Where is the virus of sin in me? Right? Mm-hmm. Where is God needing to cleanse me? Where is he needing to flood my heart with his cleansing tears of restorative justice and mm-hmm. compassion? Yeah, that's good. So good. And, and, you know, if you're a skeptic and if you're struggling with this idea of God, just as we all do at times, right? Um, We hope that you've been able to see in this text that God, this is not just kind of a a whim that God went on to say, well, everyone is ticking me off. It's time to just point Mm -hmm. the finger and and zap them, right? We see that very clearly if you spend any time in the text at all, that this was not an easy decision. Mm -hmm. As Caesar mentioned, you know, earlier on it's it's, this was a a grief and so in that i hope you see that you have something in common with god if you're unhappy with the way of the world yes right Mm -hmm. god too grieves the state of things around you Mm -hmm. and so you're on the same page and and god has decided that just wiping the whole thing away isn't going to fix it right and so he's hung he's hung his war bow up in the clouds he's still committed still committed to humans yeah yeah that's more than I could say for myself a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I just want to give up. You know, I give up on this whole thing. And if you I'm stick done. with the whole story, you'll see the chances he continues to give them, yeah. right? And, and 70 times 7 and then some, right? He continues yeah. to see. Oh, man, we didn't even get to talk about Lamech today. All right, okay, that's for another time. <laughs> yeah. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Tell Us More. Really fun to sit with the story that we would probably say we've heard a hundred times, but today... Uh, 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 fresh eyes and exciting to see more and more of what the Bible can offer us in these familiar stories. I want to thank Aaron and Caesar for joining us. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for hosting us, Nathan. Join us next time when we ask our speakers to tell us more. Goodbye. Who built the ark? No.